Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy this story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. In Aotearoa, for every dollar that a Pākehā man makes, a Pākehā woman makes 89 cents, an Asian woman makes 83 cents, a Māori woman makes 81 cents, and a Pacifica woman makes just 75 cents. Kia ora, and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston, and I founded the Female Career in 2019 with two core aims. One was around coaching inspiring women to thrive in their careers, but the second was around helping organisations improve their gender balance. Now, usually our podcast features a career story of just one woman of Aotearoa. But for today's episode, we wanted to bring on two special guests to talk about an issue that's really close to our hearts at the female career, and that's the gender pay gap. So I'm delighted to welcome Delwyn Stewart and Irihapiti Edwards today to share their thoughts. A very brief introduction to them both, and then I'll get them to share a little bit more about, about their journeys, where they are today. So Delwyn is CEO of YWCA Auckland and co-founder of Mind the Gap, which is running a campaign to close the gender pay gap in Aotearoa. Eri Hapiti Edwards is passionate about cultural representation and women's empowerment. Eri joined Deloitte aged just 18 and has since been a keen advocate of human and Indigenous rights and has won many awards for her work, as well as travelled internationally. And Eri actually joins us today from Prague, so very much an international podcast today. So I'd love to start, as I said, with each of you telling me a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Eri, could I start with you, please? Sure, Anna, thank you. So... Kia ora everyone, I'm Iri Hapsi Edwards, otherwise known as Iri. Ko Ngati Manawara wa ko Ngati Hikairo, Ngati Awa, Te Arawa, Ngapuhi, and Ngati Whatua ki Kaiparanga Iwi. I'm an international business consultant and financial literacy champion. I initially started out my career in finance working as a consultant for Deloitte, like Anna said, when I was 18 years old, and I've been transfixed by the world of finance ever since. Now I consult international clients and I've been fortunate to live in some really awesome places, including Colombia and the United States. And I'm hugely passionate about advocating for the rights of women and young people. Wonderful. Thank you, Eri. And Delwyn, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you before we get into the questions. Sure, yes, I'm Delwyn Stewart. I've had a, I had a corporate uh, career and worked in not-for-profits and with philanthropists. And I'm really passionate about the challenges that still remain for women and trying to do something about those. Wonderful. Thank you, Dawan. My first, I guess, question related to the gender pay gap. Dawan, I'd love to start with you. Guess I guess so that we're all kind of on the same page. What does it mean to have a gender pay gap? It means that there are discriminatory pay practices, that people are paid not based on the value of the work they do, but paid on their gender or their ethnicity or their disability. Those things are affecting how people value the contribution they make. It is uh, discrimination. And I guess there's 
it's interesting that you talk about it being discrimination because in some ways it's impacted by much of the gender pay, pay gap is due to the fact that there are more men in senior roles and more women perhaps in lower paying roles. And I guess what you're saying is that that's related to discrimination then perhaps other factors are reasons. Yes, I'm not suggesting that the pay gap is a simple simple thing that we can solve or I'm sure we would have solved it. There are some complex gender norms that underpin it. One of those is the motherhood penalty. So women still the primary caregivers in relationships of children. And that means they leave the workforce and they come back into it part time. And organisations and employers have not been focused enough about still ensuring that they're offering those women opportunities to progress. Uh, up into senior management roles. And that's one of the contributing factors to why you have more men in senior roles than women. And when organisations become aware of that and pay attention to that, that is something that they can actively work to address. I think that's a really nice point about awareness. And I guess that was part of the reason behind the creation of Mind the Gap in 2021. I guess it recognition that many, many years on from when gender equality began, I guess, getting more publicity. Actually, we're still stuck in New Zealand with, I know, statistics. New Zealand estimates the pay gap at around 9% strategic pay. One of the Mind the Gap partners estimates it's over 18%. So tell me a little bit more, Delwyn, about Mind the Gap. What was the reason for its creation and also the reason behind the public pay registry? Yeah, so just on that that figure, the, the 9 cent, that's an aggregate figure. So that masks points of intersection where pay gaps are really quite terrible. As you said, where Māori women and Pacifica women earn significantly less than Pākehā women. So just looking at 9%, which is still a 10% discount for, for women, really hides what the real issues are. The the Mind the Gap campaign came about from independent philanthropic trust who wanted to do something significant that would really impact women positively. And the proposal we came back to was to focus on the pay gap because it is something that we have been working on for generations. And there's a lot of different trends and events happening at the moment that make 2022 the year when we really think that we can make a difference here. Interestingly, New Zealand is about a decade behind a lot of the countries we compare ourselves to on paying attention to pay gaps and actually requiring that we understand them and be transparent about what they are. And a tourism and business is what you measure and report on gets your focus. And we know that this has worked overseas. So in the UK, when they focused on requiring pay gap reporting, they saw a 19% drop in the pay gap just through that basic reporting. We were confident in saying to this um, philanthropic founder that if we can if we can work on the pay gap, we can actually make a, a real difference in women's wallets, a real difference in what goes in the supermarket trolley and how warm the house is kept over the winter. And Mind the Gap was, was born as a result of that. I guess a wonderful culpable behind it in terms of thinking actually how is this really going to positively impact women's lives sitting in behind there. And Iri, I'd love to hear from you. What was your journey to perhaps finding a passion for gender equality and for the gender pay gap? Why is this issue so important for you? Sure. I think that advocating for gender pay issues is innately a deeply personal thing for me. I'm a community-made young Māori woman who has seen the insidious ways in which gender pay gap issues impact on our communities. So 
I mean, you can see it in the single mother who works at least two jobs to make ends meet. You can see it in the migrant workers who walk bureaucratic tightropes to provide for their families. You can see how gender pay gap issues really manifest these dark, serious consequences on these groups. And these groups are made up of the people that I love. These groups are made up of the people that make me who I am. And I think, you know, a friend of mine, one of the recent Y25, Latavia Totai, she shared in an article we co-wrote with another Y25 member, Nina Santos, that Pacifica are volunteering over 14,000 hours a week when it comes to their pay gap. That's the pay difference for Pacifica. And I think that's only one shocking statistic of the realities of current pay inequities present in our country. And I think that we all know that that's not good enough. And I like, again, that kind of that personal reflection of, of your friends and family and thinking actually how it, but I think there's something in there about kind of making it real that actually what's the impact, you know, you could just talk about the numbers, but actually what's an impact on that person and their life and their whanau. Really nice. Delwan, I'd love to hear from you since you've started Mind the Gap. I guess part of this is about creating awareness of the pay gap, hopefully encouraging organisations to report their pay gap. But ultimately, of course, part of the purpose is to try and close it. Have you seen from organisations that awareness turning into a desire to actually we want to we want to do something about this? We want to close the gap. Yeah, I, I think that in in New Zealand we do have you know a small group of leading influential employers who are really focused on making sure that they have safe and fair workplaces and they are doing really good work in terms of pay gap. What, what we haven't as a country required anyone to do is to, to be transparent about that. So the campaign has really put that at its heart, that let's create that transparency so that people can see this great work shine a light on the leaders so others can feel comfortable about also joining them and following them. And that's where the idea of the public pay gap registry came from. Let's have a, a voluntary report on who is actually doing this great work and let's celebrate the ones that are making a difference for their people. And I think it comes down to that sometimes with issues. Do you want to create more of a movement or a mandate? And as you said, overseas, certainly there's been legislation around requiring reporting. I guess at the same time, alongside that voluntary reporting, the celebration, my hope is that some t at some time there may be some legislation requiring the reporting because then that picks up the ones who are maybe less progressive in terms of their work. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think we will... We will need to see the government step, step into the space in some way. One of the things in terms of our own evolution with pay gaps is that we don't have an agreed measure, an agreed place to report. And that's something that the government could create for employers, creating a, a place that they can report into, be that MB or NZ stats, and an agreed, this is what you measure in a pay gap. That would be really, really helpful. And I think it would be government recognising that there is a there is a trend, a direction of travel in our employers to want to do this. The times that we're living in are um, driving that. So in you know third year of the pandemic, a lot of us have been reevaluating the role of work in our life and the balance it takes, and thinking about what we expect, what makes a good employer. 
And the values of trust and transparency are hugely important. People are making choices about their working lives based on whether they think there is fairness and from their employer. So in a tight labour market, it actually makes a lot of sense for employers to be transparent and honest about pay gaps. One of the one of the things that has come through recently is, well, will I if I publish a pay gap and it's a decent sized pay gap, then will I get punished for that by people? And I'd really encourage encourage people to actually be brave about that because what we have seen with those that have gone early, like Sky City, like Westpac, is that they haven't been punished. They've actually been applauded for being transparent and being courageous to say, actually, we've got this problem, we want to acknowledge it, and we're going to work on it. Our hope is that publishing the pay gap registry will actually create a tipping point, and we'll see a lot more businesses step into this space. Yeah, nice. I hope so too. And I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of some of the challenges that currently sit there for businesses, which is one around what methodology should I use? This is some guidance, but no sort of consistent approach. We've just recently been working with a group of seven organisations. We're all doing a little bit of work, maybe in the gender pay gap, but we're all approaching it slightly differently. So that was kind of one of their, their challenges was what, what consistent methodology should we be using? And then the other piece, absolutely that nervousness of if I have a big pay gap and I publish it, will I will women maybe feel disengaged or leave? But I like the way that you flip that on its head and said actually that people are valuing fairness and trust and transparency. Really nice. Iri, I'd love to hear from your perspective, Iri. What would you say are some of the factors that contribute to the gender pay gap? Yeah, so... I mean, I don't want to oversimplify things, but I do think that the current political and economic systems that we operate under in New Zealand naturally benefit some groups at the disadvantage of others. And I think for many of us, we're frightened of fighting a system that feels so entrenched, like don't rock the boat even if you're drowning. So I think it'll take action from groups who hold concentrated power to change that tide. And personally, I would love to see more men take a stand for women, more political action, more legislative change to really tackle these issues. And um, I guess I'm really, really proud of organisations like Mind the Gap because a rising tide raises all ships, right? Yeah, absolutely it does. I like the uh, two ocean analogies there in terms of the, the rocking the boat and the rising <laughs> tide. Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> Dylan, what about you? You know, you said it's complex. What do you see as being some of the, you know, alongside perhaps entrenched gender views you talked about, a parenthood? What else do you see as some of the factors that you feel might be contributing to the gender pay gap? Yeah, I think that there is a an issue around just not understanding it. Blindness or a, what do we say, an unconscious bias that until you really get interested and, and look at what's happening as a result of your remuneration policies. It's easy to say, oh, we, there's nothing to see here. We don't have a problem. And we, and we do hear that continually, that there isn't a problem. The statistics at an aggregate level point to a problem. So there is, there is definitely a problem. So once you can get organisations curious and interested in understanding what their practices actually deliver in terms of outcomes, and how that's unfair, that, that's really the opens the floodgates to, okay, we can do something about this, we can change it. So a big call for Mind the Gap is to know your pay gaps. So to take the time to do the work to understand them, 
don't think for a minute that they don't exist. And in Europe, when they introduced pay gap reporting, just about every organisation had a pay gap. There were so many more discrepancies than they anticipated. And just by virtue of looking, as I said, there was a 19% drop in the UK. So that that is one of the huge, that kind of blindness is a huge contributing factor to why we're stuck and have been for about the last decade on about a 10% overall pay gap. And I think, as you said, if you don't measure it, you don't have that impetus for change. And absolutely, I've certainly heard similar to you. Oh, no, I think we're fine. I don't think we have a problem. And and it's looking, as you said, really interrogating that data to understand what it's, what it's telling you underneath there. Because, yes, it might even be at a similar level of roles. You don't necessarily have a problem. But again, it's looking and saying, actually, so on average, or the medium pay for women is significantly lower. Some of these issues are are challenging. So if you look at, say, the electricity industry, a lot of the electricity engineers have traditionally been, those roles have been um, held by men. And a lot of, say, call centres and electricity companies, those roles are held by women. So you get role segregation that happens. That is not something you can just fix overnight. We need more women to be interested in and encouraged into those engineering and technical roles. And there's some great, great work being done by lots of different groups to do that at the moment. You can't turn that around in a couple of years. That does take time to do. So I don't think there's this kind of unreasonable expectation that I've got a pay gap, I've said I've got one, and two years later I still haven't closed it. It's that general direction of travel that that organisations get on board with and travel to fix these issues over the short, medium and long term. Mm, I think it's a really nice point and I think absolutely that occupational segregation by gender definitely plays a part as well. Earlier, I'd love to hear from you, you know, as I kind of talked about in the introduction and as I know Darwin mentioned that absolutely the gender pay gap is larger for Māori, Pacifica and Asian women than it is for Pākehā women. As you entered the workforce as a young Māori woman, how did you feel to know that there was a gender pay gap? It was initially very confronting. I also had nothing to compare the experience to because it was my first job. I was 18 years old and I was entering the finance world with these industry leaders and my understanding of the world then was so radically different to what it is now. And I think also I was still under the impression being immensely grateful for the opportunity, of which I very much was, was synonymous with keeping my head down, being very polite and therefore not asking any controversial questions. And I think that this is something that many people who belong to these groups, whether they be Māori, women, people of colour, migrant groups, whatever it may be, faces this dilemma one way or another. You've got an opportunity that feels so good, you don't want to jeopardise it, you think I've gotten this maybe by some stroke of luck or (laughs) heavenly benevolence and you've got this chance to prove yourself. You're on thin ice, you're on a different playing field, so you've got to be careful. And I can tell you now that at 23 years old, I really had to unlearn the idea that gratitude and self-agency are mutually exclusive. So it's like I can be grateful for my opportunities, for the people that helped me along the way while also refusing to make myself small. And I think that's the precedent that 
tackling gender pay issues, that having a public pay registry, that organisations like Mind the Gap are trying to set. You know, don't make yourself small while going out into the world and trying to achieve these ambitious and bold things. And as a young Māori woman navigating male-dominated spaces, this is the message that I want to send out too. You know, it's it's like, let it be scary, let it be confronting, but don't let anything in the world make you feel small. And we can challenge those systems together. What a wonderful message. And I guess on a very practical basis, if somebody was in their organisation thinking, I'm curious about what our pay gap is, or I wonder if there is one, or I think there might be one, what would you recommend to people about how they might go about raising that issue? So I think that promoting pay transparency within the workplace, like Darwin said, is a big one. For me personally, the act of being transparent with my colleagues, with various organisations has honestly completely changed things for me. Being able to have an open conversation with an employer or a willing colleague is is really scary. It requires some bravery, but I think that you'll be better off operating in a transparent environment. You know, that's for certain. Mm, And I think it's really nice about having some knowledge about so often pay. People are less willing to talk about money and pay than they are about so many other controversial topics. It is a little bit taboo, but actually knowing potentially, well, where do I sit within that can be helpful. And we often talk with with women if you're sort of thinking, am I at about the right rate personally? Absolutely. Do your kind of your market research, your homework, look, get as much data and information as you can and look at places like seat remuneration levels, ask recruiters, people in HR, what's the type of, you know, appropriate pay for this type of level, but also to ask male colleagues, because um, if you're only asking around other women, then you might not be getting the full picture. But I think there is absolutely something in there about perhaps encouraging, as you said, pay practices that are more transparent, that's going to help shift things forward. Any thoughts from you, Darwin, if somebody's sitting there thinking, "Mm, how do I write to try and create a bit of a movement in my organisation about this? How could I raise that issue? What advice would you have? Yeah, well, I, I would, you know, remind us, and we sometimes forget this as we get older, fabulous young women like Iria are great reminders that we all have power. We have power in, in what we speak up about, power in where we spend our money and how we spend our time. And all change really does begin with conversation. So part of the Mind the Gap campaign is a call to encourage people to just ask, just ask and start a conversation about is there a pay gap in this organisation? You can ask in your bank or where you pay your electricity. We've got really great customer responsive cultures in many organisations and I think it's not unreasonable for you to expect to, to get an answer. Sometimes you might feel safer asking as a group or you may recognise you've got more privilege in your workplace than others and you might want to ask on behalf of them. But just start start a conversation and see where that goes. And know that, as Ari said, you should never make yourself small. You are entitled to to be curious and to have have that conversation. The other thing to note is that increasingly, certainly in larger organisations, the way salaries are developed is that that, that pay band is agreed for a particular role. So whenever you are looking at a role, you should be able to ask the recruiter or the employer or the manager, what is the pay band for this role? Employers shouldn't be asking you, what do you want to be paid? If they do, I'd encourage you to say, well, tell me what the pay band is for this role. And then you'll know that that what you're offered or what you accept is 
appropriate for the size of the job that you're doing. Yeah, really good advice. And I think absolutely there's recognising that, yes, we all have power and sometimes in banding together with others, there's even more power so that if you're thinking, I'm going to rock the boat, well, let's let's lots of us rock the boat together. But I also like the way you talked about even as customers, we have power too. So ask your providers, as you said, of electricity or gas or whatever it might be, your bank, what their pay gap is. And so thinking about your customer, your broader stakeholder power as well, I think is really nice. And I think slowly organisations are recognising, you know, some those, I guess, questions along the process that bring in bias, like what's your current salary, are not helpful. And hopefully they're asking them less because they will help to perpetuate the, the pay gap as, as they go along. Delwyn, I'd love to hear, you know, what are the next steps? You know, so you just published, therefore, the, the pay gap registry. What are the next steps now for Mind the Gap? Yeah, well, we're really looking forward to a lot more employers being encouraged by seeing the registry and signing up to be transparent about their pay gap. So there'll be a lot more ongoing conversations with employers and we'll be putting a lot more energy into trying to understand some of those personal stories about the impacts of pay gaps on people. And we've got rising inflation and um, a reasonably tough exit coming out of covid These things are really, really important to understand. We'll be doing some work on if we were to have standardised measuring the pay gap here, what sort of difference would we likely see in people's wallets as a result of that? And and we're talking to government as well. So we're encouraging government to recognise the direction of travel here and to help create a standard reporting methodology and rhythm. There's still lots lots of work for us to do. Yeah, absolutely. And what is a fairly bumpy or tough economic time at the moment. And I know certainly COVID has had, we've seen it globally, but also here in Aotearoa, the, the impact that it has had on many people, but also particularly on women. And sometimes the extra pressures and strains that's put on, I know has caused some women obviously to lose their jobs in um, sectors like hospitality, tourism, events, but also potentially to lose some hours or to shift to part-time to accommodate some broader caring responsibilities. And there's broader challenges within that in terms of the gender pay gap with part-time work generally not being remunerated at the same rate or not having the same progression opportunities as full-time work. So as you said, kind of all those different factors coming into what is a really complex challenge. I'd love one last question for you both. And this is a question that's more broad, but it's one that we ask all of our podcast guests as they come on. Iri, I'd love to start with you. What career advice would you have for other women? Yeah, I think find a niche and put your all into it. And I think this is especially effective if you're passionate about something and you're good at it. Personally, I kind of struggle with the idea that work shouldn't feel like work. The infamous slogan of choose a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life concept. I think that's kind of damaging, but I would refine it and say, choose a job that you're passionate about, that you can find avenues within it to excel and grow and so many of your days will feel rewarding for myself I've been working in the finance space for six years which honestly feels really bizarre to say but having the experience young has allowed me certain advantages that I'm really grateful to have and I'm uh, passionate about equitable outcomes economic justice and of course resolving gender pay gap issues because of my background so Like I said, it's very personal and therefore very motivating. So find a career that allows these things to intersect and you'll flourish. 
really nice point and absolutely often we get to oh do something you love but it's it's not as simple as that finding something that you're good at that you enjoy but also that there is kind of I guess I don't know if you've heard of the Japanese concept of ikigai but you know where something that the world needs but also that you can get paid for you know given this topic of the the pay gap for making sure that you're finding yes. a way for those things to fit together becomes really important. Darwin, what about you? What career advice would you have for, for uh, the women? Oh, so many things, so many things. Um, maybe just to really remember to pay attention to how you're feeling about your work. I've seen a lot of, and I've, I've been in this case situation myself, where you can start to put up with some things that are not positive for you and for your development and for your ability to be productive and contribute and to stagnate a little. So to, to be really conscious of keeping an eye out for hanging around in a, in a role or a, an organization that is not encouraging you to, to flourish, to continue to learn, to foster your curiosity, to want to see you grow and develop as a, as a human. Don't stagnate, don't, don't just tolerate where you're at. Life's too short for that. There's so many fabulous opportunities to contribute to the world. So just make sure you do a sort of a, every couple of months, do a little personal check about how am I feeling with my role? How am I feeling with my organization and my coworkers? Is this still delivering for me? Is it allowing me to deliver my best for the people I'm serving? Really nice advice. And I think many women just kind of, Going don't necessarily have much of a, my experience is kind of, yep, I'll just, I'll, I'll keep going on and it's feeling okay, but actually really being quite conscious about how is it feeling, are there other opportunities? I think sometimes I know myself in my career that I would sort of think, oh, I don't know about change, it feels risky and what else is there out there? But as you say, there are so many opportunities and if it's not feeling quite right, I guess, first of all, look within your organisation, can you make it better? And then if not, then, then potentially look, is there something else that you might like to do or somewhere else you might like to be? Yeah, wonderful advice. Irida and Nahimi Namihi to you both. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you today. Um, as I said, you know, absolutely here at the Female Career, we're, we're fully supportive of the work of Mind the Gap and for organisations to be looking to step up and report on their pay gaps and to look to close those as well as a core part of gender equality for Aotearoa. So thank you very much for sharing your perspectives, your thoughts, your ideas, the complexities of this challenge as, as part of today. And I guess I'm hoping that in 10 years, maybe we wouldn't even need to be having these conversations because actually that gender pay gap would hopefully be getting close to being closed. So thank you very much to you both. Sure, Diana, thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon. Thank you.